Welcome to Resilience in You with Beth Page. It's thought that challenges and uncertainty make us the people we are today. Where success comes in is how resilient we are in the face of adversity. Being resilient means taking a break, creating a sense of calm in our storm. You start today. Here's your host, Beth Page. Welcome, fabulous humans. Today, we're talking about resilience in you. I'm your host, Beth Page. I'm delighted that you're joining us today for our show because maybe today is the perfect day to be talking about resilience and you. I'm grateful to be calling in from the ancestral, traditional, and unceded territories of the Halat, Penelicate, and Stuminas families who have stewarded this territory for centuries. I'm grateful to live, learn, play, and work on these territories so beautifully stewarded by these families. So the question we pose today is what if today is a perfect day to cultivate your resilience? My special guest today is Charlene Austin. She has uh, worked as a health leader for uh, many years. She trained initially as a nurse and I had the honor and privilege of meeting her when she was completing her graduate work at Royal Roads University in uh, the MA Leadership Program. Welcome, Charlene. And what would you like our listeners to know about you that I haven't shared? Well, thanks, Beth, for inviting me to be on your show. It's uh, certainly a privilege and uh, great timing to be talking about resilience. Um, well, what can I tell you about me? Uh, I'm, as you've already explained to our guests, I'm from the east coast of Canada, so I'm sure there's people already recognizing my accent. Um, I've worked in uh, across the territory of Nunavut in Canada. Um, for those who don't know the territory of Nunavut, it is a large uh, two million kilometer in area geographical span uh, across the tippy top of the country. Um, I am a twin to a sister named Colleen. Uh, I am the youngest. And uh, in my travels across Nunavut, some of the very cool things I've had the experience of doing are um, I've, I've seen a fair bit of the territory, whether by plane or having the privilege of hiking or cross-country skiing, dog sledding with elders, ice fishing, climbing hills or mountains, uh, skating on ponds, seeing beautiful vegetation and picking berries and wildflowers. Uh, it's truly been breathtaking. And one time I've even uh, saw an avalanche in real time while I was flying over some of the mountains at the top of Baffin Island. Uh, coming out of Pond Inlet, Nunavut. So I've really had quite an adventure in my times in Nunavut. Um, so a little, you know, a few interesting things about me. Um, I guess, you know, getting into more of my, you know, healthcare and leadership background, I, I studied leadership in my graduate studies. Um, I wanted to become agile and in, in healthcare and some of the times, including what we're facing right now, I, I wanted to understand the healthcare system that we work in and get to know the complexities about um, the world and how to truly lead and make a difference for the people that I serve. 
um, staff and patients included. And then, uh, you know, I think about last summer and last spring and wow, we had a big pandemic hit. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I found myself probably like most people listening, I found myself stuck. Uh, and I was actually in the city of Toronto, which was a city not familiar to me. Um, and I was disconnected from many people that I love and care deeply about. Um, I was disconnected from my family uh, who live in the East Coast of Canada in the Atlantic bubble. Uh, disconnected from people in Nunavut, people I love dearly. And my family in the East Coast included a sister who had recently, just at this early part of the pandemic, been diagnosed with ovarian cancer and was faced to navigate the whole process by herself, you know, in going to appointments and surgeries uh, alone in the hospital with us just by phone or, you know, maybe a Zoom, you know, appointment at best. So I think about that with, you know, the social isolation, travel bans, and then the fears of the virus. So um, it was quickly kind of taking its toll on everyone, as we know, and uh, I was recognizing that both kind of as a human, but as a healthcare leader, um, I just recognized that this was kind of starting to have an impact on me. And then not long after that into the pandemic, into May and beginning of the summer, I as a, um, a person myself had to enter into the healthcare system. So here I was a healthcare leader uh, needing tests uh, as a patient in the city of Toronto um, during COVID-19. And we were, you know, one of the cities very heavily hit and in lockdown at the time. Um, and so in the system that I was had responsibility in and was serving. So I felt like as a values-based leader at that time, Beth, I was beginning to feel a bit of weight on me, you know, very concerned and afraid for the people that I serve, people that I loved. And the long-term care crisis was unfolding. The George Floyd death had happened. Um, and I use the analogy at that point, I say, wow, this one microscopic virus has had this gigantic impact on the entire globe. So, you know, being disconnected from the people I love, being emotionally moved by global events, being a patient in the system. Um, I started to become introspective. I started to become curious. Um, and I was starting to come, become really impacted. Yeah. And um, so much complexity in what you're describing. Uh, and... Um, uh, you talk about disconnection from family and um, from familiarity uh, amidst a pandemic, uh, a lockdown amidst a pandemic, uh, and uh, um, accessing healthcare. And what was that like for you? It was interesting. I, um, you know, I, I was really curious about what the experience was going to be like. I was afraid. Um, you know, I was 
I had to go to the hospital alone, and uh, that was a humbling experience. But as I entered into the healthcare system, the first experience I had was to have to go to an emergency room, and you know I'm in a waiting room, and of course a social distanced waiting room, and um, I began to. I'm a very curious person by nature, and I had was wearing kind of two hats. So I'm wearing this healthcare leader hat and this patient client hat at the same time. And I'm thinking, what can I learn? But but what am I noticing? Mm-hmm. And I started to hear a lot of language, um, people talking because for those who haven't been in the system during the pandemic um, and who are dropping family members off in the emergency room door or, or the hospital, I can, I can say that it can be very frightening, but inside I, I witnessed, you know, people becoming a sense of community. Mm-hmm. Um, people were talking to one another, uh, using language like the common good, talking mm-hmm. about the words dignity and humanity. And it really stuck a chord with me. Um, you know, sometimes patients were alone for hours or waiting to see a doctor. Um, and the, the, the clients in the waiting room were taking care of one another mm-hmm. and sort of started becoming family to one another. They would get blankets for each other or, you know, would get water for other, you know, elderly people or people who couldn't get up. And it didn't matter the color of a person's skin or whether the person, you know, was old or young. And sometimes people would even get up and get a nurse, you know, for the other person um, if they needed them. And people were talking to one another uh, and really being family to one another. And even though they were six feet apart, they just connected. And I I describe it as community and, and love. There was, there was real feeling there, even for me. Mm-hmm. I felt connected and cared for, even though I was alone and fearful. Um, and the porters and the environmental staff workers were, were discussing things with the waiting room staff or the waiting room clients. And the word common good came up a lot mm-hmm. in humanity um, and how we all need to take care of one another mm. and about the human condition. Um, I had one other experience, Beth, when shortly after I had to go for a CAT scan mm-hmm. and I was, I was a bit more frightened because I'm allergic to, uh, the dye. Okay. So of course, you know, nervous of having allergic reaction and, um, of course, socially distance waiting room, six feet apart. And I'm still this curious healthcare leader, still a patient. Um, and I was talking with a couple of women and they were talking about how patients and families again were, were, or patients were becoming families and this theme was coming out, but, but they were using language like dignity Mm -hmm. and humanity. And this theme was coming out of common good again. And they spoke about the kindness and caring and people just being nice to one another. And to me, it seemed so simple at the time, but it resonated really deeply uh, with me as a, as a healthcare leader, like just this common good, the greater good humanity. And I started to really reflect and self-reflection became a large part of my life at that mm-hmm. point as, 
I thought, how do, how do I take this back with me? And how does this impact me? I'm becoming curious about the world. Is this happening elsewhere? But things were happening within myself. Like I was, what is this going on within me? This is churning. Um, and it was leaving me with a lot of questions, mm-hmm. you know, and curiosity and reflecting about, you know, what's happening. And I was talking with other people and, and it was a co- kind of a common theme that was er- emerging. Mm-hmm. Right? This, this human connection. Um, so I was trying to make sense of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. I really, that's, that's what was happening with me. Yeah. Well, and as you were talking about um, the waiting room experiences and the support that people were offering each other, um, you know, I think of the many family members who have been unable to companion uh, uh, patients into the hospital, loved ones into the hospital. And uh, I can only imagine just a little bit of um, solace that it offers uh, to know um, that uh, even at a time of uncertainty and illness, uh, people were experiencing humanity with each other in the waiting room setting, um, almost um, acting as a as a a, a replacement or a, a another human in that moment offering comfort. Um, and when you think about um, your sister also going through a parallel journey, um, the two of you, what does that offer you by way of comfort? Knowing that as a healthcare leader, you weren't able to be there as a result of the bubble uh, in Atlantic Canada. Well, I think, you know, it does offer me, it did and it does offer me some comfort. Um, I I mean, I, I'm fortunate to come from a big family um, and that that comforted me greatly when my sister was, was going through her, um, through her cancer surgery and I'm happy to say that, you know, she's cancer free now. Um, we're very blessed. Um, that it was a good outcome. Um, I think, I think what it what it spoke to me and what it continues to speak to me is the human potential, um, and what what human what the human connection can do in times of difficulty. And it's very easy to focus on what's negative in in the world or what we don't have. But it, I didn't witness that. And I witnessed uh, a lot of frightened people coming together to care for one another. And I know that some of my sister's experience in the hospital was quite positive. You know, um, she had her surgery in New Brunswick and everything that was done was to protect her as a patient, you know, from the, from the virus. And although she had to be in the hospital alone, um, the healthcare staff there were protecting her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think about the values that that, that that speaks to, about, you know, kindness and caring and patient-centeredness and compassion. Um, 
and empathy, you know, putting mm-hmm. yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, and it does offer me hope for the future system out of this and the common good mm-hmm. and what we are capable of as a greater society when we think from a values point of view mm-hmm. and when we think about other people and not just ourselves. Yeah. And I witnessed it and it, it certainly as a, as a leader who's a very service driven leader, it made me even more determined to seek this out and, and how is this going to impact my future career trajectory? What am I going to, how am I going to take this forward and ensure that these same types of values continue through this pandemic and move forward? Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm struck by the, um, the, what you brought forward from a healthcare uh, perspective, uh, you know, folks have been uh, navigating this pandemic in a variety of different ways. And uh, to also be experiencing the healthcare system layered on top of whatever might be happening in people's individual situations uh, is pretty significant. And so it's one of the reasons I've been so delighted to um, uh, have our time together to speak because uh, it's an opportunity to investigate that. And so as we head to a quick break, uh, we'll look forward to picking up the conversation uh, when we return. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Dreamcatcher Consulting, Beth Page helps her clients assess and build resilience initiatives that support and strengthen resilience. Visit dreamcatcher-consulting.com for more information about the Resilience at Work assessment for teams, leaders, and individuals in a company environment. Beth is an accredited Resilience at Work consultant in North America who works with clients from all over the world. Find your resilience. Reach out to Beth now at dreamcatcher-consulting.com. Check out and order the second edition of Change Happens. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Resilience in You with Beth Page. We invite you to send questions or comments about the show via email to beth at dreamcatcher-consulting.com. That's beth at dreamcatcher-consulting.com. Now back to Resilience in You. And we're back with my special guest, Charlene Austin, healthcare leader, who, as we were headed to break, had talked a little bit about her own experience for her and her family accessing healthcare amidst a global pandemic. Uh, and uh, as we come back from break, I just wanted to uh, invite you, Charlene, to talk a little bit about uh, your career uh, and, uh, and the uh, experiences that um, brought you uh, to today. You started out as a nurse. I sure did. I um, I had two sisters that were nurses um, before me. I'm the youngest of eight kids, and uh, I if you knew what I was like as a child, you'd never believe I was a nurse. But um, that's another story for another day. Uh, <laughs> I, very funny. I um, I went in straight into nursing from high school and um, was really compelled to. I just love people and to take care of people and to serve people. Um, and, you know, I've, I've always been strongly drawn to service of, of others um, and was, was probably part of my, just my upbringing of taking care of, of each other and our family and things like that. Um, and I've had a, a very gracious, wonderful career Um working uh, in Texas very early in my career as, as a nurse and back to Nova Scotia and then spending many years working as a nurse in Nunavut and progressing through um, uh, my career there. And, you know, serving as a nurse um, really does teach you the value of, of humanity and of people. And um, it's, it's the heart to me in some ways it is the heart of healthcare. Um, you really are connecting um, on the deepest level with people uh, in the system. You meet them quite frankly at the door when, when they enter the system and you're with them through from birth to death. And um, I've had the privilege of working in, in all those areas mm-hmm. and it's really made me who I am today. Uh, and it's it's part of why I decided to go into leadership. You know, it really is because um, the values that that I learned in nursing are the values that lead me as a healthcare leader today. Mm-hmm. You know, they really do um, compassion and empathy, ethics, um, and you know, service of people. They they're they're really the core ethic and values of of the system that we that we are in in healthcare and what drives excellence in healthcare. Yeah. And 
what when you reflect on um, your experience uh, was true when you entered into the field that it that holds true for you today? What's a thread that has carried you through uh, your career in healthcare? Would you say about about me or about the system? Mm-hmm. About you. Um, you know, I've I've never lost the love of people mm. and people's stories. Um, I'm fascinated by people's stories and uh, the human, the, just the the human connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really am, and you know, it, it doesn't matter what job I'm in. It's the human connection and human story that drives me to want to be the best I can be. Mm-hmm. I really, I do my job, whether I'm in a senior leadership position, it's always to uh, serve the clients that I work for and my staff. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's to make their job easier and to make the system better for the people that we serve. Mm-hmm. And is there a particular story that stays with you that... Um, uh, it holds that fire in you for healthcare and the service that you provide? Oh my gosh, there's so many stories, but I mean, I can, I can think of so many, I, I be careful not to breach confidentiality, I of guess. Course. I, I think most recently I can just think of a few stories of um, elders in Nunavut sharing stories of, um, of, you know, being on, on the land and uh, in particular one story that touched me quite dearly was um, an elder in a community talking about how silent uh, it was um, when she was a young girl um, and rowing in a boat. Um, This was, you know, back uh, years back when she was a young child uh, before sort of the more um, settled areas of Nunavut and how silent uh, it was when she um, was a little girl and she could hear uh, the animals moving on the land and the vegetation blowing in the wind and uh, that that she used to be able to we- read the weather by the clouds. Mm. And um, I just feel so privileged whenever someone tells me any story. And that continues yeah. to compel me 25 years into a, into a healthcare career. Mm-hmm. In, in what way do you find that it compels you? Um, because there's a trust there, um, that, that, you know, she, she trusted me with that story mm-hmm. and I've been given a trust, um, in the jobs that I've been given to take care of either the staff or, um, the clients that I work for, the patients mm-hmm. I work for, and I use that word interchangeably. Um, and I don't take that for granted. Mm-hmm. I feel really privileged to have the jobs that I have. And um, I I just take it very seriously. And it's, it's an ethical as much as it is um, an emotional commitment mm-hmm. for me. And I just feel, I just I use the word privileged, and I just really do feel privileged, Beth. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and when you talk about um, being trusted, uh, nowhere 
would I, could I think of a place where that would be more important than in healthcare, especially today? And, uh, you know, I, I thank you for your service. And um, also really uh, shout out to um, our listeners who may be working in healthcare uh, or um, serving as essential workers during this time, because uh, as individuals, uh, we are navigating uh, this pandemic uh, as humanity, and yet uh, there's certainly um, uh, some disequilibrium being experienced as people move through uh, this time. And um, when you think about this trust uh, and what you observed uh, I know you were talking about humanity and dignity as part of your own experience, um, uh, both in ER and, and, and when you went for your um, CAT scan. What, what are your observations? What are your reflections about humanity and dignity right now? Well, I, it, you know, it was, for me, it was a bit of a, a time of introspection and reflection before I was realizing what was what I was really able to come up with. Um, it wasn't like it hit hit me all of a sudden. Um, I felt like I was in a bit of personal turmoil um, as a as a healthcare leader, and I, I'm I'm curious if others could relate with that. I'm I'm thinking they may. Um, my experience at that time was that I had to reflect on my own personal values mm-hmm. um, because I I wasn't sure what was going on. You know, I I felt like um, this was what I needed to be hearing. You know, it's it sung true to me this humanity and dignity and and um, you know the human connection, the common good, but. <sighs> I had to reflect a lot and reflecting for me meant journaling or talking to others or thinking on a walk or, or things like that. But I noticed that my values were shifting Mm. at that time. And I wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't been Mm self-reflective. And what I noticed was certain things were less priority for me. So you know, not that money and material possessions were important, but they were became irrelevant. And all of a sudden, the values of dignity and humanity and family and community, commitment, empathy, all of these things were just pressing issues in my heart. They were just like singing at me all of the time and compelling me to think about what is this going to mean for me as a, a leader? What is this going to mean for the world? Um, Yet, you know, we're socially isolated. Um, You know, people are still struggling with the pandemic. Um, So I just, I I was a bit confused for a while. So I really needed to start to take care of myself was Mm -hmm. what I realized. And I, I started to kind of designed some some things that I could do that were values-based that helped me to align with my values. So mm-hmm. it looked very different. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for me, it, it was the call to humanity on the small scale, micro scale, looked like me starting to bake cookies for my neighbors. Hmm. Um, it started to look like how was I treating people in the elevators and how was I treating people when I was walking on the street? Hmm. It also was, you know, um, what was this going to mean for me in my career in the long term? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's compelled me actually to pursue, you know, want to pursue doctoral studies, you know, in, in this field long term. Mm -hmm. But it, it really did leave me with this, you know, kind of turmoil inside of me that I realized I needed to work on in a self-care way. Mm -hmm. or, it, you know, it was going to make it really difficult for me to get through the, through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, that's certainly been a, a, a theme that we've been hearing is uh, uh, this importance and value on counting ourselves in, in uh, our journey of resilience and uh, and so as I hear about the humanity of um, your interactions uh, uh, being outwardly focused, uh, what uh, nourishes you uh, internally to facilitate that? Well, um, <clears throat> well, I think about there's a, you know, there's a lot of, of things that I reflect on. And when we're, we work in healthcare, we juggle a lot of different balls. And um, while we can talk about expressing, you know, empathy and care and compassion for people, I think I learned that I had to start expressing some of that inward towards myself. And, um, that's really hard when your whole world's tipped upside down and the things that you're used to doing, you can't do anymore. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you know, you can't, you can't go outside and do the things you used to do. You are stuck in the house all the time. Um, but I, I realize it's very hard to kind of keep your own boat afloat. Mm -hmm. well, now there's my East coast accent coming out for those who are yeah. listening. <laughs> But I think also about my colleagues, Ank, uh, very good values analogy. And it's like, uh, you know, picture a flagpole and you're holding on to this flagpole and the flag is your values mm -hmm. and you're anchoring to that. And it's like values are a guide and an anchoring force in our life. And I had to start anchoring to my own personal values. Mm. And um, those are some of the strategies that I started to use, you know. Um, but how did, how was I going to do that? What things could I do that would help me anchor to my values, um, and start showing compassion to myself? So if I was showing compassion to others, how was I going to do that to myself? If I was going to show love to others, how was I going to show self-love and onward? So I, I, um, I had to really make a deliberate and intentional effort to do so. And accepting mm -hmm. what what it was that I was in and my own circle of control, Beth. So at some point I had to say, okay, I have a circle of control. 
Mm-hmm. And there's things in it that I can control and things I can do that are values-based. And there's a lot I can't control right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a powerful insight to support you in, uh, in considering for yourself. And so what does, what is within my control that can support me in nurturing me? Yeah. 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 And, you know, and, when you reflect on your values and, and, you know, when you, when you think about what you, you know to be true about your values, you'll know when they shift during, during crisis and they can, you know, some people may not be aware of what their values are, but they certainly can shift during a crisis. And there's mm-hmm. certainly tons of resources about how to figure out what are my values, you know, and, and shout out to my friend Chelsea, who has a pair of shoes that have her values written, written on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are ways to find out what your values are and do exercises, value values exercises or whatever online. And then find whatever simple means you can do to be true to those. Yeah. And know what they are so that if they're shifting during a pandemic or during some crisis in your life, you're able to identify that and then you can say, oh, this is what's happening with me and talk it out because yeah. I think this is happening to a fair number of people mm-hmm. and they're struggling and maybe not aware of it. Yeah. Powerful comments. Thank you so much, Charlene. Uh, we've uh, uh, been speaking with Charlene Austin, healthcare leader here in Canada uh, and um, talking about the power of uh, silence, uh, the power of humanity, uh, the value of um, uh, focusing on self-care as a as a as a thoughtful and intentional and deliberate strategy for uh, cultivating resilience. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll pick up the conversation when we come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Dreamcatcher Consulting, Beth Page helps her clients assess and build resilience initiatives that support and strengthen resilience. Visit dreamcatcher-consulting.com for more information about the Resilience at Work assessment for teams, leaders, and individuals in a company environment. Beth is an accredited Resilience at Work consultant in North America who works with clients from all over the world. Find your resilience. Reach out to Beth now at dreamcatcher-consulting.com. Check out and order the second edition of Change Happens. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time there are two types of leaders in business those who are nice compassionate people and frankly they are the people who fail to get a lot done 
Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Resilience in You with Beth Page. We invite you to send questions or comments about the show via email to beth at dreamcatcher-consulting.com. That's beth at dreamcatcher-consulting.com. Now back to Resilience in You. And we're back from our short break with uh, our guest, uh, Charlene Austin, healthcare leader, uh, caring human, uh, and uh, we're talking about uh, resilience uh, and the, the, the support that values provide uh, in cultivating resilience. Uh, and uh, Charlene, what more did you want to add? Uh, we went to break talking about humanity, uh, and I'm, I'm curious what else from a values-based perspective uh, has been showing up for you through this uncertain pandemic time. Um, thanks, Beth. I think I think just a couple of things to add on, on that topic, um, you know, because we did finish off on values. Um, I remember when I was um, in second year residency, I wrote a paper about resilience. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really interesting because I remember I felt my, my, I wrote in that I had felt my most resilient when I was um, taking care of myself first Uh and that I was best able to care for others, including my family and my patients when I was taking care of myself first. And, and, you know, it's like the oxygen mask on an airplane and everybody uses that analogy, but it's so true. You know, if you, they always say, the flight attendant says, please put your oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on others. Mm-hmm. And in healthcare, we, we are hardwired to care for other people. Yeah. And right now in the pandemic, we have people coming out of retirement. We have people coming out of the woodwork wanting to help because by nature and by their values, they are people who want to help others. And that's a wonderful attribute. Mm-hmm. My my only thought on that and my words on that are, you can't forget that you're best apt to take care of others best if you're taking care of yourself first. Yeah. And one of the ways that I did this through the pandemic was to stay true to my values. Mm. And, and that, that meant whatever way that looked during the pandemic in small, small ways to larger ways. And part of that was through really being reflective, talking with people, talking it out with people. 
And in some ways, really, it was a, a big shift for me. And mm-hmm. it was uncomfortable, but but it was really worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and the other is just to be, to practice self-compassion. Um, we're in difficult times and our best is our best. Yeah. Yeah. And what reminds you to acknowledge our best is our best amidst these uncertain times? Um, it's a good question. I think, um, I think it's, I, it's deliberate and intentional. Mm. I think, I think I've learned through just practice Mm -hmm. just, and I, I think I recognize when I'm not, not being that way. Um, Mm -hmm. other things start to suffer and, and I just, I've recognized the value shift. And I've learned that when something doesn't feel quite right for me, my values are out of alignment. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. getting back to that for me is is key. Yeah, yeah. And um, before we went to break, you were talking about the flagpole uh, and the anchor that that um, offers you. Uh, and so, you know, here we are. Uh, in what we hope are the final miles of a marathon related to this pandemic. Uh, What's on your flagpole? What are those values that are anchoring you today? For me, my, my anchors are family, um, love, uh, connection, empathy and compassion. And I think I do try my hardest to direct those inward. So this is a new concept, I think, to a lot of people, this value, directing values inward as well as outward. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the whole premise of self. It's like, yeah, you're going to, so I'm going to give compassion all day. Well, I'm going to have to give it back. Yeah. And I'm, and when I don't do it perfectly, it's okay. Mm. You know, if anything, this pandemic has taught us there's nothing perfect. Expect mistakes, expect expect things to not be perfect. And that includes ourselves. So, like, I've, I've drawn very close to um, my family in a di- very different format. I haven't been able to see my family back for a very long time in the Atlantic bubble. Mm-hmm. And what's persisted... Um, What's helped me persist, I should say, is hope and love. I should say the value of love has gotten me through. Um, And knowing that this will end. Mm -hmm. The other thing I wanted to say quickly is that reframing this pandemic as a catalyst for change Mm -hmm. and a a catalyst for hope in a new system and a new beginning has really helped me um, because I do believe that as much as it's been difficult, it has illuminated a lot that we as people, as humans, and as healthcare leaders can do for a new future. Mm -hmm. And um, part of being in the value, you know, looking at your values um, can help, you know, in the healthcare sector in particular, if you examine your values, you might see a future in 
your own in your own value system. I know for me, dignity, the value of dignity and the value of humanity are two values that will determine my future career trajectory post pandemic. Mm-hmm. And that has helped me has helped sustain me through the rest of this pandemic because I'm as much as it's difficult, I have a determination to make a difference in the future of our healthcare system mm-hmm. for the people that I serve and dignity and humanity and love being those values that, that push me forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've had so, as you were reflecting, so many people that have come out of retirement um, feeling called uh, by um, values uh, like that, um, which I think has offered such crucial support um, to uh, healthcare workers that I imagine are feeling a little exhausted and depleted at this time. Um, if you were going to offer some advice or guidance to um, healthcare colleagues, uh, what would it be from your vantage point of healthcare leader and patient amidst COVID? Um, I would hope that um, that they were taking care of themselves um, first. It, you know, in particular, our healthcare workers and our healthcare staff, and and I know from experience. Um, as a, you know, a person, <laughs> a recovering overproductive uh, worker, that it is very hard to say yes to self-care in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is critical that, you know, people have time off, that people have breaks, that people practice self-care, and they project their values inward towards themselves. Um, I would hope that, you know, senior leaders are considering uh, robust mental health support for our frontline workers Um, and timely, you know. uh, I would, you know, self-reflection is uh, a tool that a lot of people do don't really use, but it can really, whether it doesn't have to be formal, it can just be talking out at the end of the day, but it can really give, I know for me, it gave me an outlet Mm -hmm. to, to, you know, offload what was going on in my mind, Mm -hmm. you know, as this went on. Um, Figuring out your values. Are your values shifting right now during this pandemic? And if they're shifting, what does that mean? And what will that mean for you moving forward? And how can you be true to your values in any way possible mm-hmm. during this? Um, it might help you find a purpose for something right now that can provide a bit of meaning in your mm-hmm. life right now. And find connection in any way you can. Reach out in, to family, whether it's Zoom, social distancing outside, um, anything like that. Um, it, it matters to be connected and it's easy to go home at the end of the day and spend the time alone, but 
it's really important. And I think, I think it's just the self-care piece that I'm worried is being neglected for the sake of other people. And I know why I understand, but I think getting back to taking care of yourself first, being resilient is reaching out and asking for help, asking for support and taking care of yourself. It, there's nothing, there's nothing weak in that. Um, and it builds a stronger healthcare leader. It builds, it helps you be equipped to be able to do your job. Mm -hmm. And you're reminding me of, uh, of a colleague, uh, uh, Peter Block, who says that your yes means nothing until you're prepared to say no. And then he asks, who or what are you prepared to say no to in order to say yes to you? And um, thank you so much, Charlene. Uh, and for our listeners, you're hearing it here from a healthcare leader. Are there any final comments that you want to offer before uh, we close our interview? Um. I'd like to just talk a bit about uh, the a website that the government of Canada organized for the pandemic that is not very well um, advertised called wellnesstogether.ca. And it is a website that was uh, made in partnership with the government, government of Canada and other partners to allow for any Canadian 24 hours a day, seven days a week to have free counseling. Um, it's trained counselors. Uh, you can call, you can get a 50 minute single counseling session or, um, potentially multiple sessions of counseling for anything that might be troubling you or you want to talk about. You can self reflect there. You can talk about your, whatever's on your mind at any time. Um, it just hasn't been well advertised and it was set up specifically for mental health and mental wellness during the pandemic and, uh, so again, it's when wellnesstogether.ca. You can text or call depending on what your preference is. And I would highly encourage people to use it. Um, some of my mental health colleagues have said it's an underutilized service. And um, I'm hoping that people will reach out and get the support they need and they can use it as many times as they want. They can call every day, multiple times a day. The other thing I would say is remember that there are our healthcare leaders working very hard to end this pandemic and be there uh, on the other side to make a better quality system and um, to be kind and compassionate to yourself. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Charlene. Thank you for joining me today to talk about our resilience in you. And okay. as we close out today's conversation, uh, my invitation is to consider what fills you up. Consider getting your week off to a resilient start by identifying one wise action. And if you're looking for something specific, perhaps some of Charlene's suggestions will serve as great reminders for you. As we close out today's conversation, having talked about um, the possibilities of Catalyst for Change, uh, I invite you to join us again next week and listen in. And if you want to continue the conversation, you can find me on Facebook at bpager. All the best. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Resilience and You. 
Please join your host, Beth Page, again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, if you find that you're facing some personal stress, try to find your calm. Be resilient 